So let's look here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want you to think about this. Uh, even the ladies, when it, we're in uh, military mode. We're in a fight. We're in a war. We're all in a war. We're all soldiers of the cross. We enlisted the day that we got saved on that happy day. Boy, when, when you get saved, you had no idea what you're getting into, though, did you? On that spiritual fight, the fight that the, the, uh, the enemy that you took on, uh, who honestly you thought was your ally before salvation, but you realized, no, all along they were your enemy. They hate your guts. And uh, the ones we spoke of last week. But let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and get in the mode of a fight. God is a man of war and God likes a good fight or he wouldn't have set the life up the way it is. Now, why does he do that? He wants to see us win. He wants to see you win. Win one. Win a bunch for the Lord. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, notice who he's writing to. He's writing to Timothy, who is a minister, a missionary, preacher, pastor of a church. He's a minister. He's a servant within the church. So that's primarily who this is directed to. But it applies to all of us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. See, that goes right along with Ephesians 6, verse 10. And the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, commit thou to the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. God chose us to be a soldier the day that we chose Christ to be our Savior. And so you got enlisted. You enlisted. And uh, so we want to look at this, ask that the Lord would teach us some things. Father, as we look at how we can pre prepare ourselves for the fight at hand, and most of these things we'll look at are defensive in mode, we ask that you'd help us to take it very seriously We'll be do at the very end, we'll having done all, we'll stand because of thy grace. And we'll be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so to win, we've learned you stand, you withstand, and then you keep standing. And you endure hardness, like it says here. And you seek to please your captain. It says you may please him that has chosen you to be a soldier. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. He leads the army. He's the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, which is the captain of the army of the Lord. Now, that's what you need to do. And what did he say? Do not be entangled with the affairs of this life. You know why? An entangled man, he's not free to fight. He cannot war a good warfare if he's all tangled up. If his arms, if his hands are bound, he can't fight. If his legs are bound, he can't move. He's all tangled up. Now, interesting, you look at this verse over in 1 Timothy. Turn, flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
in verse 18, he's speaking to Timothy again, and he's going back. You know, it's always good to go back to the starting point. Go back to your salvation day. This is the day of salvation. But look what it says in verse 18. Here's another. Here, Paul's telling Timothy, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. So he's telling him, you go back to the day that you were called, and you go back to the day that you had the hands laid on you, the laying of the hands of the presbytery, and the power that fell on you, and it says some prophecies went forth on him. And what happened there? He said, you stay on that and you hold to it. And why? You want to be able to war good warfare. So I think about on my own life, you know, there's some things that there's things that were prophesied, I believe. And honestly, this could be all of us. But there were some things prophesied on me the day that I got ordained that I have to see through. That they, they're prophecies that took place. Now, some of these were in the spirit. They were not, in, I, I, I have no doubt in Timothy's case, they were told to him by the Apostle Paul what he was going to do. But some ministerial prophecies that I have to remember, I have to look at, I have to look for, I have to fulfill them. And I must fight to obtain those. I can't let them be taken away from me. I, I have to be a soldier. I have to keep the cause. Now, listen to this verse in Philippians 4.17. He says, say to Archippus, that's a good name, Archippus. I think it means the horse's mane. But anyway, Archippus, tell Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord, that thou fulfill it. You take heed and fulfill that ministry. So in my case, I, I say it this way, I have to set the battle in array. And get ready to fight. You don't let the fight come to you. You set the battle in array. So the Bible says that the, the gates of hell will not prevail against us if we're storming their gates. The gates aren't moving to me. We're storming the gates. Occupy till I come. So what did he say, though, in 2 Timothy? You can't get entangled with the affairs of this life. No man that warreth. You, no soldier who's going off the war to, say, to a foreign battlefield. Is he going to go out and buy a new house and buy a brand-new truck worth 100 down, which people do these days, which is beyond my imagination, and get himself in horrible debt and commit himself to things when he's going off to fight? Now, things that will keep him not on the battlefield, he's looking back at home. He's entangled. Now, whatever those entanglements are, you know, he's got to know, I'm a soldier. That's my primary duty. I cannot get, let anything get in the way. Now, this is interesting because those words, affairs, with, you know, you think, hey, I know what affairs are. Well, you know what they are? It's a transaction or a negotiation, a bargain. Caught up in bargains, a bar having a bargaining spirit with the world. That's what it means. The warrior can't do that. The warrior fights to be busy 
in making trades. That's what that word means, to get entangled with affairs of this life. I thought that was interesting. So the soldier awakens himself to the fight in front of him, and he's not entangled with things going on in this life. Look, we all have duties and with things we've got to do, right? We all have interests. But what's your primary focus as a soldier? How can you please your captain if every decision you're making is for yourself? You're also not caring much about your fighting comrades if you're doing these things. You can't please the, the one who called you into it. Now think about this. Our business is souls. That's the business we're in. As a church, as a Christian, our business is souls. Our war is for the kingdom of God. We're fighting for the kingdom. We're fighting within the kingdom. We're, we're fighting to expand the kingdom. Doesn't that make sense? And then our weapons that we use are spiritual, not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the point down of strongholds. So all that said, you have to have the mentality and mindset, I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. Turn to Ephesians 6. We'll look at this then. All right, so we're going to Ephesians chapter 6. And he said in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And right after that, in verse 11, he says, This is how you're going to get it done. By putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against prince. See, that's your carnal weaponry, right? Our weapons are not carnal. They're mighty through God. They're spiritual. But they're against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. So here's we go back to what I said originally starting this off on standing. He said twice here, the whole armor of God. I thought about this. Do you put on partial armor? Do you put on the parts you like? I know some people, they love the shield of faith. They live by faith. They, everything they do is by faith, but they don't hold to the truth very good, and they compromise, and they're not soul winners. But, boy, they sure live by faith. So what they're doing is they're a person with no armor with the shield of faith out in front of them. Some people are great soul winners. Boy, they'll go soul winning. They'll be, everybody they run into, they'll preach the gospel to you. That's feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's important. But if you don't have your loins girded about with truth, your soul winning is not going to be effective, and you're going to eventually quit. Guarantee it. Because God said the whole armor. Of God. And he said it twice. And he said, ensures this. If you do the whole part, it's ensuring victory. You don't do your favorite part. You don't do, you don't be partial to certain things that might be your strength uh, set. This is, we want a, a complete and val a balanced set. So at the time I have here, we're going to look at this. I know months back in Sunday school, we looked at the whole armor of God. We did. But let's look at this, and we'll go through this uh, quickly tonight. So what's the first thing he said to put on? 
Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. That's it. Your belt. Okay? Now, in the Bible days, they would, in, in, in Roman soldiers, they'd have a, a heavy, a strong, thick girdle, what it's called. It was you gird your loins up because that's your core. That's your strength. Let's look at a few verses on this. First Peter. We'll, we'll, we'll look at our Bibles tonight some. All right, look at this. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. And we're going to read these and move on. So 1 Peter 1, 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, sometimes I get very lazy in my mind and I think about this verse and I go, boy, I better get it girded up quick because I'm lazy. I don't think properly. And I need to gird that thing up. And you hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice, you're girding yourself up. You don't wake up. Nobody sleeps, goes to bed with their armor on. I think you've got to wake up and put it on every day. Wisely. All right? You get in your sleeping garb, right? Okay, look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. What kind of belt do you wear? One guy said, I, I have a Dunby. My, my, my belly Dunby over my belt. <laughs> Is that what they call that? That guy needs a better girdle. All right. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your loins be girded about. And your light's burning. He says, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're waiting for someone, you got to be ready. You know, I don't know why they do it, but my sons and my brother love to go duck hunting. They like to start off about 2.30 in the morning. What if you showed up after you got up at 2 o'clock, 2.30, and you pull up over to Brad's house, and he's, just now getting out of bed. He's not girded. He he, Y'all going to have to wait on me to gird up. Now, Jesus said, I'm not waiting on you. You gird yourself and you be ready to go. It's your job to gird up and have all your equipment ready to throw in the car and drive to the mud hole. I'm just having fun. Down where the ducks fly. All right? It, it's very aggravating. Now, turn over to Isaiah chapter 11. What is girding? Girding means you're ready to work. You, you've got your, your uh, brace on, your lifting brace. You've got your belt going. You're ready to work and you're ready to move. You what are you? You're ready to go. What's the truth? The truth of God. You're waking. You know what I think the truth is? is truth is in, all truth is given by is right here out of this word. There is no truth anywhere else. There's things that are true. There's facts, but this is truth. Principles out of the Bible are truth. It's principles based upon the word of God, which are truth. You hold to those things and you know those things. Say, I'm a man of principle. Well, where'd you get your principles? Right out of the word of God. It taught me how to live by principle. I have a core belief. Hey, you need to strengthen your core. Don't we all? 
Every time I try to strengthen my cord, something goes haywire. I gave up. Spiritually, though, it won't go haywire. you got to strengthen your spiritual core. And have an understanding of the truth. That's your strength. Now, this is interesting because in, in Isaiah 11, 5, this is, this is amazing. This is God talking about himself, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, he says, With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. This is the lovely Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. You see that? Even God wears faithfulness is the girdle of his reins. This is amazing. Even Christ girds himself with the truth. And don't you think we should? He puts on his battle garb. I tell you this. Wake up tomorrow and gird up. Hey, I'm going to live by the truth today. I'm going to take it in a notch. Instead of let it out a notch. I'm going to take it in a notch. I'm girding up. I'm getting down a bit. Y'all know what I'm saying right here? I know how it is after, from Thanksgiving to, to New Year's, you're letting it out a few notches. <laughs> Unless you're Mrs. Gilliam, who's tried real hard not to. You know what? Take it in a notch and get ready to go to war. Do that in the morning. I challenge you. All right, we got to move on. Now turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The second one he says is your breastplate. So you have your girdle on, uh, uh, your, your, the belt, and you want a good, strong belt that will get it done. And the second one is the breastplate of righteousness. What I find is so interesting in, in, in studying this is these things overlap. These things overlap. They all go together. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, look what he says in verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate. Here we are. If you're getting a, you're not, you get up in the morning, you're of the day, you put your breastplate on. You get your, girdle, your, your loins girded, you put your breastplate on. Before you walk out of the house, actually before you walk out of your bedroom, get the girdle on and the breastplate on what does it say putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation so you have this amazing righteous living which basically comes by faith and love now we know that there's a breastplate uh, there's a shield of faith that you also carry around but he's saying here put your breastplate on this you know what that does it guards all your vitals they can't get you in the heart. They can't take your in the liver. Your your boy, you got it down. But notice, he said faith and love here. To where in Ephesians 6, he said the breastplate of righteousness. Because faith and love will make you live right, and you will live according to the truth will make you live right. All these intermesh. Now look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians. In chapter 6, 
I like this one. My, I got the wrong verse. You ever done that? But let's look here. He says, if you will, basically what he's saying is keep the armor of God on you to the right and to the left. It's what? Number verse 7 she's saying. There it is. I was off one verse. You see that? Second, that's what good wives are for. Second Corinthians 6, verse 7. What he's saying this is how you, you suit up. By the word of truth, there's your, there's your girdle, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. You know your, your, uh, your shoulder, your shoulder covers? A man in war, hey, you get you get hit here with a sword, you're done, for the most part. So you had they had they were covered here, right and the left. You're not going to get blindsided because you have your your things that matter the most are covered. You're you're not going to get taken down too hard. And we're going to come back to this here in just a minute. This is important to put on the breastplate of a righteous lifestyle. I commit to righteousness today. I'm not just going to hold to the truth and say I believe it and live by faith. No. What I'm going to do is live righteously. All right, now, the, the next one. This is, this is pretty neat. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 52. The next one is the feet. Now, what does he say to do with our feet? Those that are without... Looking in Ephesians, we know this. What does he say to do? Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know the Bible says that God, that Jesus, we preach peace by Jesus. We're preaching peace to people, not judgment. If they reject the, the peace, God's going to bring the judgment. But our job is to bring the peace. It's the gospel of peace. And so it's in Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains. Are the feet of him that bringeth good th tidings and publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good. Isn't that interesting? Good tidings of good. Saith, uh, what, what, excuse me, that publisheth salvation. There it is. And that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Now I like this. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. But they are shod. They're shod. They are shooed. You shoe a horse, that, that horse is shod, right? But you shoe a soldier. You put on your fighting gear. But it's to go out and bring peace on the earth, which is what Christ came to bring, and it's beautiful. Song of Solomon 7 once, he said about his uh, bride-to-be, How beautiful are thy feet with shoes. You will have the most beautiful feet when you're wearing your shoes. Usually it's the opposite way around. When, when he takes his shoes off, he's no, his feet surely aren't beautiful. We smell them around the next corner trying to keep you all awake. But how beautiful are your feet with the shoes you wear? This is God talking about the church. Why? She's got the preparation of the gospel of peace. She's wearing her soul winning shoes. I was looking at my soul winning shoes the other day. As we're moving, they're pretty rough. I need some new sewing and shoes. They're pretty rough. You know what's interesting about your feet being shod? 
It gets you out and gets you publishing what you're supposed to be publishing, which is the gospel. It says you do it with your mouth. Your feet can't preach. Your feet take your mouth out where you can preach, right? Your feet take your hands out there where you can pass out a track and you can smile to someone. You can hand them a track or you can preach the gospel to them. Your feet are the ones that got you there. Now, so that shod, you know what that means? To be bound under one's feet. You have good souls under there. I always often wonder about people that wear sandals all the time. Only sandals. I can't wear them. You ever seen me wear sandals? I can't do it. Some people can. The most important is, is the soul, though. Why? You can traverse any ground if your souls are good. You can go over rough ground. You can go over the mountains. You can go over the parking lots. Man, that's, an, that's one of the things. I used to go soloing in Indy Valley with some very thin-soled shoes. I'd go home with bruised feet. I couldn't wait to finish. I wasn't shod right. I was not shod right. I was hurting myself. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace is, you know what it really means? You ought to be effective in your soul winning. It ought to be easy to you. You know, some people have a hard time preaching the gospel to someone else. They have a very hard time presenting it. Well, you get to where if I get my feet shod, I'm going to get to the places I need to get, and I'm going to be effective. But not only that, it's going to be comfortable. Good, comfortable pair of shoes goes a long ways, does it not? A good, comfortable pair of shoes. So what you want to do is learn to make your gospel preparation comfortable for you and effective on them. It's pretty good stuff. You know what? you got to learn to do it, though. You have to shod yourself, shoe yourself. we got to move on. I'm not getting very far here. Shield of faith. He said you have to carry that shield of faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. You have the shield. Okay, go back to Isaiah 59. Isaiah, we're in Isaiah, so that makes it simple. Isaiah 59, verse 17. Once again, oh, this is amazing. Here's God. God looks down throughout. He, he looked and he saw. Before he sent his son. He looked down and he saw the angels. He said, none of them can get this done. He looked at the sons of men and said, none of them are worthy. That's why he says in verse 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. See that? And an helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. What we just read is this is God's, this is how the Lord dresses for battle. We just saw it. Isn't that amazing? But what I find is the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith go together because they are used interchangeably. So that this is beautiful. The breastplate and the shield are both protective. They protect. And what do you have here? Your shield is out there. You work it. 
your breastplate's a last resort. If they break through your shield, through, if they break through your, your shield of faith, which sometimes they will, but a lot, well, we'll get to that in a minute. You have your breastplate to, to back you up because you've been living right. Your faith might get shaken, but your life has been good and righteous and wholesome and right for God. Therefore, you're not going to get shaken. So a man of faith will not suffer a mortal damage. They're not going to get to your internals. The man who lives by faith and uses that shield, you might get damaged. You might get hurt. You'll never quit. You live by faith. Your organs are protected. You will not be a casualty of war. And I, this is amazing to me. God saw needed to be done. He put on his armor and he went and won the battle. He whooped up. Is that what we say? He won. He brought the victory. How beautiful it is. God will soon right the wrongs of everything going on in the world. Everything going on in the heavens, he's going to right the wrongs and bring justice, judgment, equity, and righteousness to the world. Jesus will bring it. Now what's amazing is, if you saw that, he put on the helmet of salvation upon his head. Jesus wears the helmet of salvation upon his very head when he's the one that brings the salvation. You know why? Salvation is of the Lord. It's his salvation. It always was. He's wearing his salvation that he brings. Helmet's interesting. We're, we're, we're going to go on to the helmet here because we find it right here and we're running out of time. Not only is the helmet protective, but it reveals who you are. Basically, your helmet's going to tell you what side you're on. You know, World War II, if you saw, you knew what a German was by the helmet he's wearing. Right? You could always tell by the attire of the head who's coming at you. You are identifying yourself. I'm a Christian. I have the helmet of salvation upon my head. I am wearing his salvation upon my head. Now, it's the hope of salvation. We have this. It's an amazing, amazing hope. So, because of this, I'm telling, I'm not hiding who I am. I've got my helmet on. I'm not hiding what I am and who I am. It's a revealer of what's inside. The helmet protects the thoughts. The helmet puts on the head, which basically the head determines the rest of the body. So your salvation is what matters the most in all this because life begins at salvation. People say life begins at conception. For the Christian, life begins at salvation. What's interesting is when you're putting your garb on, you get up in the morning and go to war. You put your, even though your helmet came first, you put it on last. You put your helmet on and then you go out into the world and it's the most amazing thing. Now, he said, the last thing you have is a weapon called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? It's our sword. It's that book right there. You carry it everywhere you go. All the time, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
That's what we carry. So not only does your sword do that to you, it does it to all those around you. We wield an amazing weapon with the word of God. You don't leave home without it. Did you know that when they, when, I, I just throw this out there, I thought it was fascinating. When, when Israel would move in the wilderness, they'd move from one camp to the another as they're heading from Egypt to the promised land. And they'd take down the tabernacle and they'd all take off. Did you know they left the table of showbread with the bread on it even as they traveled? Everywhere you go, you take your Bible. Throw one in the car, carry one. You know, you don't go traveling to another place and don't take your sword. The showbread stays on the table everywhere you go. So, Because when you stop, wherever you're going, and you camp, you set it back up. Hey, the six, the, uh, the what is it, 12, the 12 loaves of bread are still on there. This, it's two rows of six, 66 books of the Bible. It's right there. I'm, I've got my, I've got my bread. I've got my sword. I'm ready to take whatever the enemy brings. So uh, let me finish by saying this uh, prayer brings it all together. While you're doing all these things, you're praying without ceasing. You're communicating with God. You're, you know you can't win the battle on your own anyway. So you're constantly praying, but you're also praying about your fellow soldiers. And basically that's what Ephesians, the end of Ephesians 6 is. We learn about the welfare of all of our brethren. Now, these are all the essential parts of military uniform. How's yours look? You know, my dad had all his, I don't know what, dad kept all his, they were in the, they were in the bedroom in his closet. He had his military uniforms. That's what Dad looked like. And I'd get his pictures out and I'd see him wearing those exact clothes. But if all of these are worn, you become a pretty formidable foe. Almost unbeatable if you'd, we'd learn to wear these things. We leave one off, we leave two off. We run out the door. Oh, I'm saved today. Throw the helmet on and run off, but you didn't put on your breastplate. You don't have any intention of living a righteous life that day. Well, you might be vulnerable. You might be vulnerable. But what you become, if you'll put on all the armor of God, you become a great adversary to your adversary. He's met his match. You quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You're raring to go. You can be very effective. And you're fulfilling Ephesians 6.10. You're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'll finish by this. No chinks in the armor. No chinks. You know what a chink in the armor is? Where they get you, there's a hole. There's a crack within your armor. Right in here, usually, right? Isn't that where they got Ahab? I guess they got him here, and it went into his heart. He had a chink in the armor. He thought he was fully dead. If you will wear the whole armor of God, there will be no chink in your armor. Uh, you will be very, very wise. So I, I say this. Gird yourself with truth. Remember that you're saved every day. 
Commit to a righteous life, the breastplate of righteousness. Have that shield of faith and live by faith, knowing that God is going to, everything's going to be okay. And you have your loins girded about with truth. And then you carry this, your sword, in your heart and in your hand. All right. We're done. Read your Bibles every day, praying as you read it. It will guide you all the way if you'll only heed it. In my heart, in my heart, send a great revival. Teach me how to watch and pray. And what? And to read my Bible. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? Read that Bible every day.